Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Reports of its demise were premature. It's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast par excellence. He knows that the word amazing can also mean bad. Medicare expert Doug Jones. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another thrill-packed episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. I'm sure this comes as no news to uh, you Medicare freaks out there, but we're going to spend the next uh, 20 minutes or so helping you feel comfortable about your impending transition from Obamacare to Medicare. As I always say, a lot of people are worried about this sort of thing, but you needn't be worried if you've got an excellent source of advice as to how to proceed with your encounter with Medicare. And I would say that that the best source of advice that I can offer would be my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. You can go to Amazon.com and find that book. In fact, you'll find four different types of of books there. You'll find an audio book, a paperback, a hardcover, which is a magnificent uh, gift uh, for your friends and relatives that might be thinking about Medicare. And there's also a Kindle ebook. If you just like to uh, peruse electrons, then uh, you can read my book in electron form on your reader and have it downloaded. And uh, it's virtually free. I mean, it's $3.80. I don't know how you can get valuable Medicare knowledge for any less money than that. So if you uh, have a problem dealing with Amazon for one reason or another, you can go to barnesandnoble.com, and there is a paperback with colorful illustrations just waiting for you there. Again, reasonably priced. So I would suggest that you acquire my book. I would suggest that you uh, whip right through that thing because it won't take you very long to read and comprehend all the Medicare nuance and um, suggestions and knowledge. And and um, uh, you'll come out the other side of, after having read that book, confident and looking forward to your Medicare transition. So that's at least that's what I hope. I'm always available to help people, and I make a few bucks every time you decide to buy some Medicare supplement through me, perhaps a Medicare drug plan. I can uh, benefit, and I can assist you in not making mistakes. So that's uh, that's the whole story about why we're here, helping you feel comfortable with this whole Medicare thing that's coming up. And uh, one of the people helping me help you do that is Randall Carson. He makes this podcast sound better than I could ever make, and he is uh, 
keeps me on track. He lets me know when the crickets have chirped and that's the signal to hang up and go away. So you won't be bored with us all day, only for a fairly short period of time. Good morning, Randall Carson. How are things going for you today? It's going just absolutely awesome. As you can see, I'm sitting out on my back deck by the pool. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I'm trying to portray this as being, you know, at the time we are right now recording. Well, but strangely, Doug, it- <laughs> the sharp eye, the sharp eyed guy that he is caught the fact that this is actually the sun going down as opposed yeah. to the sun coming up. <laughs> yeah, I've been in your backyard before, and that's facing the wrong way. At first, I thought it was sunrise, and I thought, oh, boy, you're uh, br- up bright and early, or at least you were when you took that photograph. But in this case, I can see that uh, it's on the west side of your house, and the sun is about to set. So uh, you didn't fool me, or you did for a while, but not for very long. So uh, it is a magnificent picture, and you've got a beautiful backyard, so you should be proud of that. I I actually was lucky when we bought this house because I didn't realize at the time when we bought it that really we don't, we've only got one house even within spitting distance of us, uh, uh-huh. which is our next-door neighbor, and she is a good friend of ours, so no no hits, no runs, no errors, but nobody else is up against us. That's that's the only thing that's up against us. Other than that, we are up against what did you call it? The uh the uh, official that, open area? N O A S. N O A S is the legal term in Arizona for uh, an open space that an HOA developer is required to uh keep buildings off of. So N N-A-O-S, N-O-A-S, natural open area space. That doesn't sound right. It's something along those lines. Looks like uh, uh, the Moby Dick guy wasn't his. Oh, Ahab. No, that's not right. Oh, Ahab. Yeah, no, that's a whole different deal. I, yes, I've never seen I've never seen Captain Ahab in the in the open space, but well, this open space is something that the uh, developer is supposed to contribute. In other words, the town says, "Well, you're going to have to pay this, you're going to have to pay this, uh, you're going to have to pay the cost of all the utilities and blah blah blah." And the developer knows that he's being held up uh, for you know as much as the town can get and then the, another thing the town has against him is he says they say we want you to dedicate a certain amount of area as open space for the benefit of the people who eventually live there and uh randy was saying yeah well that's the the space next to his uh backyard there so there are no neighbors peeking at them when they're swimming in the pool and that's a wonderful thing in my development which is a much smaller much many fewer homes the developer uh told the town okay well we're gonna you know dedicate this area right in the middle all the houses around it all the backyards will face the beautiful natural open area and uh i guess the town fathers never came to look in person because it's a cliff (laughs) (laughs) it's an open cliff (laughs) it's unbuildable but yet they were able to the uh, developer was able to dedicate that and satisfy the town fathers and i have a nice cliff when i walk out my backyard and i've got a patio and i look out over the mountains behind us to the north and there is a cliff if i walk too far i'm going to roll down into the backyards of my neighbors so it's uh it worked out okay for me good Good. Well, you know, obviously, if you hadn't been to my backyard, I could have sold this, that it was the coming up. The sun was coming up this morning. 
you're very creative with your uh, your stories, and uh, frankly, I've been convinced about the, uh, <laughs> the conference room and the world headquarters of the Medicare for the Lazy Man. Well, it's true. It's absolutely true, Doug. You think I'm teasing? Well, in this case, I recognize the uh, swimming pool and <laughs> the overhang. I recognize all the nice patio furniture and everything else. So uh, I'm I'm going to be skeptical of some of your. Okay, but oh, I any- got to get. I got to get better. I got to get better. That's all. Well, no, I enjoyed looking at your backyard. It's a very, you've got a very nice house and a very nice backyard. And the fact that you don't have any neighbors to the West of you is just icing on the cake. I think you picked wisely when you picked that house. So, so I uh, suppose we ought to do something now as related to what Medicare, maybe, maybe let's do that. That's probably why all the audience uh, showed up today to uh, listen for Medicare uh, information. And I'm going to discuss a subject that has got me all excited. I received some correspondence yesterday from a new client, a potential new client who says he wants to be a client. And uh, it made me put my thinking cap on. And then I shared it with the spousal unit. I said, Mary, uh, what do you think about this? And I handed her this correspondence and she was fascinated all kinds of possibilities suggested themselves. Um, But I was uh, unsure as to how to proceed. Actually, I I became very sure once I did a little research, but the correspondence in question was um, sent to me by a person with a short cover uh, email. And this person sent uh, the following to me. Hello, Doug. Now, normally when somebody says, hello, Doug, I'm thinking I've already corresponded with them, and I keep a file of all the correspondence that I've interacted with over the years, just so that if there's a fact that slips between the cracks, I can find out, uh, you know, what I need to know about these people. And uh, in this case, it's not true. I've never had any contact with this person at all. So this person said, hello, Doug, my father, and here it comes, who is an incarcerated 76-year-old man is less than two months from release. He asked me to please send along this letter he wrote from his housing unit, and I am happy to act as a correspondent for any response that you may have had for him. So thank you very much. So this person's father is an inmate at a uh, penitentiary, and the state shall not be revealed, but he is um, contemplating release, and he's, as a responsible guy, he's wondering how to get Medicare insurance after his release. And he is, he's written me a page and a half single-space typed letter. I don't know if he's typing it on a typewriter or if he has like a uh, one of the early uh, word processors. But I'm going to read a redacted version of it because I don't want any identifying information to get out. So here is the letter he wrote to me from his housing unit. I'm guessing it's from his cell. So he says, hello, Doug, another very familiar uh, greeting. He says, this letter is being sent to you through my relative. It um, has, oh, my relative has in possession, in hand, a completed, signed, and notarized Appointment of representative form number so-and-so, so-and-so, as with most government forms, the the relative has been empowered to act on behalf of the prisoner, but 
there is a form for that, uh, and it's got an eight-digit form number. So, you know, the bureaucrats are alive and well out there. Anyway, that form, she will she will send to you upon request. My name is so-and-so. My date of birth is so-and-so. I am so-and-so age. Here's my social security number. I have very much enjoyed your book, Medicare for the Lazy Man. Wow, this tells me that my marketing efforts have been successful. We have penetrated the penitentiaries of the United States. I am pretty excited about this because I know there are a whole bunch of people probably looking at their early, not early release uh, necessarily, but looking at um, being released. And if they have any sort of resources at all, they're going to want to protect those resources by insuring themselves against exorbitant medical charges. So uh, I, I, this guy has to be the first of many that we'll be seeing uh, over the next years, I hope. Anyway, he says, permit me to say up front that I understand that my inquiry might well be beyond the scope of what you might be willing to undertake. And I'm willing to compensate you for extra time and hassle on your part. Over the past several years, I have perused several books on Medicare, some better than others. Now, he already said he loves my book, so he names another book that he uh, liked uh, that was one of the best of the lot. In every volume I've perused, including the official CMS, that's the government agency that oversees Medicare, the CMS, they're a bunch of dopes. They cannot spell their own acronym properly. Uh, they are the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, but their acronym is misspelled with only one M, so they... Spell it CMS instead of CMMS. I don't know who I've got to talk to to get that fixed. But anyway, so these dopes at CMS have overlooked, in this prisoner's opinion, uh, an important segment of the population, the incarcerated. In the U.S., over 2 million women, men, and children. Interesting that he put it that way, women, men, and children. I might have said men, women, and children. That just seems to flow better. But anyway, 2 million of these people are under legal supervision, mostly in state and federal penitentiaries. Most will eventually be released. And in regards to Medicare, almost all, like me, have been caught between the proverbial rock and hard place. Here are the facts. I am, uh, I think he, you know, he's in his 70s, uh, divorced. He's been incarcerated uh, since way before he was age 65, and he's scheduled to be released uh, fairly soon. Um, and uh, he has decades of SSA qualifying employment history, probably before the incarceration. And so uh, he will belatedly be receiving his retirement benefits upon release. Since turning age 65, I've made numerous attempts to enroll in Medicare Parts A and B, and indeed to avoid the annual and accumulating 10% penalty for Part B. Now, other people may not be aware of that, but if you don't enroll in Part B when you're first eligible, uh, the government will add a 10% late enrollment penalty that you will have to pay for the rest of your life. And this guy's uh, many years late. And so he expects that enrollment penalty to be very sizable. And this has him bothered. Um, so he says, I've repeatedly, uh, my relatives have been repeatedly intervened on my behalf, even making in-person visits to SSA and all to no avail. 
I could enroll. I needed to enroll. I have had the financial resources to enroll in Medicare Part B, but nothing doing. So the latest open enrollment closes on March 31st. I'm, this is erroneous. So I'm reading this because it's in his letter, but in reality, that's not true anymore. The regulations have changed. Uh, so as I'm told, I should be able to enroll upon my release in April, but I should not expect any coverage until July 1st. Once again, this is outdated information that's not accurate, but I'm reading it because it's in his letter to me. Among other matters I'm dealing with, uh, opportunity to enroll, I'm almost, let's see, among other matters I'm dealing with, uh, I have some uh, physical problems, uh, medic, you know, medical conditions that are in need of repair, and of course, being willing Though refused an opportunity to enroll, I almost certainly am looking at a lifetime Part B penalty of uh, over 110%. I knew I would be unable to receive benefits while inside, but I was anxiously trying to pay premiums from my 65th birthday on. It is my understanding that because this is my initial enrollment, I am also entitled to enroll in Medigap or Medicare Supplement without penalty or without medical underwriting, as long as this is accomplished within six months of the actual enrollment. And that's correct. He's correct about that. My requests first, are you willing to handle my enrollment into parts A and B at the earliest permitted time? And I, I believe that's a big 10-4. Second, will you recommend and enroll me in the best possible F or G Medicare supplement plan? And I'll, you know, give a green light to that one, too. Here are the complicating factors as of today. The county where I am be, where I am committed is one county, but it is more likely I'll be paroled to a different county. I have also requested an out-of-state parole placement to a different state where I know the rules are different. I don't know whether it would be better to get my Medicare uh, supplement in the state I'm incarcerated in or to wait until I am reassigned to the state I hope to be sent to to serve out my parole. Uh, the latter would probably not be approved until mid to late summer, if at all. Your thoughts? I'm glad he's asking for my thoughts. Uh, my conundrum also applies to a needed drug plan. My inclination is to get all of this done as quickly as possible. I have carefully studied your chapters 8 and 9, comparing Plan G with HDG. Given what little you know about me at this point, would you still recommend HDG in my case? And, uh, you know, that's what I recommend for almost all people. Uh, I also believe that since I have never been enrolled, although long eligible, I might qualify still for Plan F. Would that be a good idea? And I'm going to tell him no on that because most companies are jacking up the rates for Plan F to an extraordinary degree. And those people, I just moved a client from Plan F at $351 a month to a Plan High Deductible G. This is an 82-year-old lady in pretty good health, and she is saving over $300 a month by being in the High Deductible Plan G. I And then uh, my correspondent here goes on to say, I realize this is a more detailed, complex missive than you normally receive from a potential client, but I'm happy to provide additional compensation for your time and effort, Doug. Thank you very much for your time and consideration. I am able to telephone you from here, but not vice versa, if needed. 
Um, my relative who has scanned this to send off to you can also be reached at so-and-so telephone number. I hope to hear back from you. Well, I thought this was a pretty darn interesting situation. And the fact that I have a client in such unusual circumstances is um, <laughs> really kind of cool. And so the first thing I did was Google this particular uh, inmate and I did discover why he's in, and, and I, I know a little bit about his history and all that. So um, I just wanted to make sure he wasn't all mobbed up so that if I did something to irritate him, uh, I would wind up sleeping with a horse's head uh, as opposed to the normal spousal unit that I sleep with. Um, and so I responded to him, and I said, hello, sir. I did a little research, and I believe I have confirmation that uh, you will not be subjected to a late enrollment penalty for Medicare Parts A and B, as well as Part D, due to a special enrollment period that will begin the day after your release. To address another concern, Medicare should begin no later than the first of the month following the date of release. This would probably be May 1st, which leaves him without health insurance um, coverage for most of the prior month. Here is my citation. I sent a link uh, to a, uh, a description of what happens if you are incarcerated. And this is straight from Medicare.gov. Anybody who's incarcerated and has a computer can go on Medicare.gov and search for the rules and regulations. What happens if you want Medicare coverage, but you are incarcerated? This citation makes reference to the possibility of um, asking for Medicare to begin the coverage on a date in the past. That's the terminology they use. So I would suggest that request to be part of the original enrollment process in this case. Medicare will not allow me to represent anyone for the enrollment. Now here I'm talking to the, to the uh, relative, but I assume you will have the legal standing to perform this duty on the prisoner's behalf. I would begin by going online to this website uh, but it's possible, given the circumstances, that you're going to wind up having to make an in-person appointment at your local Social Security office to get this process underway. I'm confident that you will find out very soon what they want you to do, but your goal should be the earliest effective date for Medicare Parts A and B, uh, presumably uh, April 1st. Once you are in possession of written confirmation of the prisoner's Medicare Medicare identifier, which is his number, and start dates on a document they will provide, I can prepare the paperwork for him to apply for a Medicare supplement and a Part D prescription drug plan. A freestanding dental, vision, and hearing plan would be available if he is interested in that. I have attached an explanatory sheet and short prescription questionnaire. If he has regular prescription meds and wants a Part D plan, this information uh, will be necessary. And when you return the questionnaire all filled out, I will be able to identify the least costly drug plan available in his area. And based on what he said, his release location is likely to be so-and-so um, would you provide me with a zip code for that location? Also, I will be writing a more detailed message uh, very soon that will show the estimated costs and address the rest of uh, the questions that he had. He can then ask additional questions or decide on a course of action, and I will help him via you execute it. Let me know if any questions arise before I contact you again. 
So that is my the extent of my correspondence. I, the research I did showed me that his information was out of date and therefore faulty, and that I think I can accommodate him uh, now. Uh, I can do the enrollment process when he wants it without a late enrollment penalty, and um, I think he will be one happy camper for several reasons that need not be listed here. So what do you think, Randy? we got a whole new um, uh, type of uh, clientele that we can tap into here. I like it. All righty. I was hoping I like you it. would. I absolutely that you know you put it on the podcast. Uh, what should we? What do we call this thing? The I script? think we, it's not. A, it's not a script. It's a it's checklist. A, I call it a checklist. It's a checklist. And so when I saw this on here, I I was you grabbed my attention, and obviously I'm still very interested in it because I you you garnered my rapt attention throughout. So obviously that I think it's a great opportunity. And, well, I'll, uh, I'll have another episode ready uh, down the road sometime to uh, wrap it up. In other words, this is the beginning of the story, and I think there's going to be an end of the story at some point. Yeah, and you road. know, th- this is not going to surprise anybody, certainly not you, Doug, but it never occurred to me that there was you know, this all going on because people might have been incarcerated. Yeah, what happened is um, this guy was incarcerated prior to his 65th birthday, and he was not allowed to enroll in Medicare while he was incarcerated. But now that he's facing uh, release, then the question becomes, how do I make sure that a Medicare insurance plan covers me in case I get sick? Or if I have an accident or something like that, he's a responsible guy. I don't know how many uh, released patients, no, released prisoners are going to be as responsible or have the wherewithal, the financial resources to pay the premiums uh, that this guy has. But uh, he may be an unusual case, and we may not really have a bunch of uh, ex-cons lined up outside the Medicare for the Lazy Man headquarters well, but you, it's just, nice to think, you just never know. It's nice to think about. A whole new area of the uh, economy is open up to us. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's an uh, interesting, very interesting possibility. Well, I'll keep you posted. So I've got, I've got you know, some Stump the Medicare expert stuff here. Do you want to take a couple of minutes? Have I ever turned you down on that one? No. No, no. no and I never will. I'm a sucker no. for trivia. All right, so now I want you to take your mind and rewind it back to 2015. All right, that's not too far back. Yeah, this is it's relatively recent information. What happened on today's date in 2015? Oh boy. In, in the sports world. I'll give you I'll give you that clue. If I were Mariette Hartley, I'd be able to tell you exactly everything you need to know. In the sports world, this date in 2015, uh, it's not baseball season. It's probably basketball season, in which case I'm not going to be able to help you because I really don't like basketball. I'm guessing that it's um, uh, one team defeated another team. <laughs> I don't uh, <laughs> That that, nails, that nails it. That nails it right down there, Doug. Well, I've got a problem, and you know this problem. I'm not. I'm a gearhead, and gear being a gearhead oh, is 
antithetical to being a sports fan. So I'm not a sports fan. And I'm frankly, I think you picked this question knowing that I would fall flat on my face. I so go, I'm going, Doug won't know a thing about this. So, and so that's, exa- that's exactly the reason I picked it out. So does the, does the name Dean Smith ring any bells for you? Sure. Sure. He's my next door neighbor from, uh, oh. No, I don't know who Dean Smith okay, is. Okay, well, Dean Smith is a very, very famous basketball coach. Okay. Who recorded 879 career victories, making him one of the most successful men's collegiate basketball coaches in history. And Collegiate, ah, there's yeah, the key, collegiate, collegiate. Yeah, collegiate, and unfortunately... And rest in peace, Dean Smith. He died on this day in 2015 at the age of 83. Oh, boy. Was he still actively coaching at that time? That I don't know. That I don't know. But I do have a bonus question for you. Oh, good. <laughs> Lay that one on me, too. <laughs> let's let's complete the embarrassment. Let's complete the humiliation. <laughs> why? Why are basketball hoops 10 feet off the ground? Because uh, Dr. Neesmith decided that uh, the average kid could not reach that high, and so therefore it would always be competitive. Well, you're you're closer than you'd like that I would like to think. So I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna give you partial credit on that. But the reason that it's actually ten feet off the ground is he he as you know basketball was originally invented by James Naismith. Yep, yep. And he originally they were shooting balls into peach baskets. Right. And the reason that they were ten feet tall off the ground is that the railing of the running track at the YMCA gym in Springfield, Massachusetts, was ten feet off the ground. <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! The railing of the running track was ten feet off the ground. Yeah, that's where he hung his peach baskets at. Okay, so why would if it's a running track and it's human beings running, why would they need a ten foot tall fence? Uh, so people, uh, that is a great question. They don't address that, but we could talk about that in another episode. Are you making this stuff up? <laughs> no, Are no, you... really. <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm getting pretty suspicious now. This oh, seems, my God. I'm You're... smelling a rat. Um, this is coming straight from the Encyclopedia Britannica. Do you, right. you trust you trust them, don't you? Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to cite your sources from now. On. I'm going to have to have you uh, show me <laughs> chapter, verse, and maybe even photocopies of your source material before I accede to this. Now, here, now here's one more interesting tidbit about basketball, in particularly Alrighty. the players. Okay, what was in 1947? What was the average height of an NBA player? I'm going to guess that they were um, 6'2". A tall player back in 1947 would have been somebody that stood out from the crowd. And it would be nice to know what the Army statistics were because in 1947, you know, that was just two years away from World War II and every able-bodied man had been inducted at one point or another. So they had a lot of statistics on the average American male's height and weight. So I'm going well, to say you know, six two. You are absolutely dead on right. So okay. now it gets a little more difficult. Uh huh. While in 2015, what was the average height of an NBA player? Uh, I would have to say seven feet. I don't know. six. 
uh, 10. Let's go with 6'10". And I forgot to mention my father was 6'3", so he was taller than the average basketball player. Never gave one thought to basketball. Loved baseball. Later on, loved football. But uh, never gave one single thought to basketball. So the current average NBA player's height I know they have some shorties in there, some guys that are, uh, you know, down around 6'5", but um, I would bet you the average height is just under 7 feet, so I'm going to say 6'10". Oh, ouch. 6'7", 6'7". Okay, all righty. Speaking of basketball, I used to work with a gentleman by the name of Frank. Uh If he hears this, he'll know who he is. Uh, I'm that he was seven foot two. Wow. Well, and well, or no, wait, 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 <laughs> wait, wait, wait. No, he was seven foot four. And the day I went, I worked with him at a company. We were both programmers. And Frank got up from his hit most of his height with his in his legs. Uh-huh. And when I walked into his office to shake his hand and introduce myself, I didn't recognize the fact that. His legs were about seven foot long and yeah. he got up, he got up uh, you know, from his chair and he just kept getting up. Yeah. And I'm going, holy bananas, because I'm, I'm five eleven, you know, so right. six, seven foot four was a considerable uh, distance up there. And he introduced himself as Frank and he said, no, and I don't play basketball. Yeah, because I'm sure that's the first question he gets. I know that when I used to, I told you that I used to travel with my grandparents a lot and uh, they lived a pretty high uh, lifestyle. They lived pretty high on the hog. And so I was at a cocktail party at the Glenview Club in Golf, Illinois. One time they lived in the manager's apartment there when they were in Illinois. And um, my grandmother introduced me to another member of the club who happened to be attending the cocktail party. This guy was at least seven foot two. I had never seen anybody that tall in my life. And I was a little kid. I was probably right. 10, 10 years old or something like that. So I, I I could not bend my head far enough back to see this guy to look him in the eye. But uh, I don't know if he played professional basketball or not. I don't remember who he was. All I remember, it was striking to have a guy that tall shaking my hand. You know, he had to reach, yeah. lean over to shake a kid's hand. And, yeah. Well, and I know one... that those, those guys don't have a long lifespan either. They no, tend... no it's a tough life. And for things you'd never think about. Uh, I traveled the country, you know, as we were a, kind of an insta- software installation crew, uh-huh. and uh, Frank and I traveled around the country a lot. And his biggest his biggest gripe, and you would have never thought this. Number one is when we were staying at a hotel, mm-hmm. his most of his feet hung off the bed, so he could sure. he could never he could never get a decent night's sleep. And the other yeah. problem was he had to stand on his knees to get his head washed in the shower. Oh, never thought about that. But, you know, a couple of <laughs> a little interior decoration uh, uh, reconstruction would have taken care of that. But um, one of the guys in my fraternity was a uh, basketball player, and he was he had a special bed. We all had bunk beds. We all, all of our bunks, 74 guys had bunk beds in the same room and the top floor of our fraternity house and this guy had his own special bed that was um it didn't have a foot on it so that his feet could hang over the end of the bed without keeping him awake at night the rest of us had normal sized bunk beds and and uh 
his name, what was his name? Jeez, I can't think of his name right now. His two teeth had been knocked out. So he had a replacement bridge. And if he wanted to scare people, he would take that out and grin at them. And, uh, <laughs> Well, I think we better move on here. We've we've covered a lot of territory today, but I just want one more one more piece of information. Boy, we Frank, dragged this one out like <laughs> Jesus. Frank Frank was seven foot four, and his dad was six eleven. Yeah. Now guess what? Guess what? Frank called his dad Stretch Shorty. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that was after the allowance uh, days had ended. I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank Boy, you I'm all you, for joining if, us. We got to get out episode, of here. If this episode were a rubber band, it would be on the verge of breaking. So <laughs> ab- abbreviate your closing to let the audience get to their daily activities as quickly as possible, if you please. Thank you for joining us. We always appreciate it. We've t- given you a lot of different opportunities to get information about Medicare from Doug's book, from his audios and a variety of other things. So we're just going to go ahead and cancel out our subscription here today. And you have just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma, now living in the high altitudes behind Cave Creek, Arizona, in his fortress of solitude. And a special goodbye to all the convicts out there. <laughs>